Well, good morning, Capital Church. My name is Frank Berninger, and I would like to open God's Word today. Let's pray. Father, um, here we are. Our bodies are here. May our minds, our focus be available to hear your word and for your spirit to work today. May our past weeks, our past month, our past day, our past lifetime, may it not get in the way of the work you want to do in your word today. So give us freedom. May we have minds that are available to hear your word as it is spoken and to hear your spirit as he speaks through your word. And we would ask, Father God, that you would be gracious to us and make your face shine upon us so we might know your ways, so that your ways can be known among all the earth. For your namesake, we pray. Amen. Uh, today, I have a slightly different uh, kind of talk I want to give you. It is uh, an emphasis in process. So it is like um, we're going on a journey and rather, and we're going to see some sights. And, and I'm a tour guide. And rather than you focusing on journaling everything you see or taking pictures of everything, I would like you to just stick with me and um, perhaps more than writing specific things down, just walk with me in a process. And uh, let me start with the real basic process that uh, two weeks ago, John Gates called me and said, hey, Craig, would you be available to preach on March 11th? And I said, sure. And that was the end of that conversation. How does the process work? I get to talk on anything I want, probably, related to the Bible in some way, would be good. So how does that work? Well, since this is not the first time for me in my life, I basically say, okay, Lord, um, we got some time. I'm, I'm going to be aware. I'm going to think. Generally speaking, though, where my mind, where my attention, where my heart has been is the first thing that's going to come to mind. So uh, I'm a part of one of the small groups here, and we're going to the book of Ephesians. And when I say I'm a part of this group, it started in September, and because of my travel schedule and holidays, I think I've been to four of them. But that's all right. It's okay for my story. Uh, and, and that week we were meeting to look at Ephesians 4. So I had been reading and thinking through Ephesians 4. And so that's why I want to talk about Ephesians 4 and um, would like to give you some little literal insight into my path. Just the beginning part is, it's not that this is right or the way to do it, I'm just being very literal um, on this process. Okay, so what should I talk about in Hebrews 4? Well, what stood out to me getting ready for, for the weekend discussion or, or for the, the small group discussion was the phrase, speaking the truth in love. That caught my attention, Ephesians 4.15. And it's like, 
all right, I, I got some issues going on right now in which, relational ones, in which it's my desire to love. It's my desire to show love, to show the characteristics of love, to love. That that's, sounds good. I love truth. I have a passion for truth. I'm a teacher. I, I, I like to tell what I think is true, so it grabbed me. And I said, okay, I, I would like to talk about 415 of Ephesians chapter 4. So, here we are, speaking the truth in love. You know, I think speaking the truth in love would make a very significant difference in all relationships that we have. I think speaking the truth in love would be very helpful in relationships. I think it'd be helpful in friendships, and marriage, and family relationships, and job, and being a fellow citizen, and being a co-worker. In all of those relationships, I think, if we would follow these guidelines that are told, if we would respond to the invitation to speak the truth in love, that all of these relationships and life itself would, would be better. Speaking the truth in love, but if we're going to look at this, then we need to ask some questions. So what does it mean to speak the truth, and what does it mean to speak in love? But that's pretty basic. You need to understand, well, what are these things, to speak in truth and to speak in love? Well, truth would involve the content of what you speak. Love is going to involve your motivation and presentation of your content. For those of you that don't know, uh, I like math and I taught science, so I, I like dissecting things into their pieces and putting them back together, but frequently I can't. But we'll see where we can go. Speak the truth, content, speak in love, motivation, and communication style. So what does it mean to speak the truth? Well, it means do not lie. That's biblical. Speaking the truth, telling accurately what you're on, uh, under obligation to share. And that could involve doing the work necessary to confirm your knowledge is accurate. Sometimes truth costs. You have to go and discover the truth. You have to confirm the truth before you share it. Speaking the truth can be costly. Sometimes, Truth isn't necessary to share at that particular time. Sometimes, potentially, not all the truth has to be shared. There, there's a lot to think about when you think about speaking the truth. Knowing truth can cost you time, effort, and energy. Speaking truth can cost you in pride, shame, and money. Speaking truth can inflame people in situations. The temptation to lie is there to save us from some of these costs. And yet the bottom line, we would agree, is there is a certain measure of truth that is owed to people, and we should well, those of us who would like to be followers of Jesus, we should well speak the truth. Lies destroy both a healthy self and a healthy relationship. Lies cost. It's not good to tell lies. 
If you base your life on a lie, you pay a personal price inside as well as your relationships. Mental and spiritual health depend on our willingness to tell the truth. Exodus 20:16, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Proverbs, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lie. Truthful lips endure forever. A lying tongue only lasts a moment. A truthful witness saves lives, but a false witness is deceitful. Even in Ephesians 4, the end of the chapter, do not lie, speak truthfully to your neighbor. What is truth? When we think of that, we think of Pilate in John 18, and he said, oh, what is truth? But of course, Pilate was using that statement to stop a conversation. He was not using that statement to, in his search for truth. Psalm 139, God has searched me and known me. He knows every word, action, thought, and emotion. Oh, God knows truth. He knows the truth about me. He knows truth about you. He knows truth about everything that has happened. That's a good reminder. John 8, Jesus says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, there's a marvelous one found engraved in granite on some of our universities in this country, even though the meaning probably has been lost in terms of its origins. Truth is a good thing. Truth is a great environment for a healthy, intimate, growing relationship. I think so. What does it mean to speak in love? Well, when we think of love, we think of 1 Corinthians 13, and love is kind, love is gentle, uh, love does not remember wrongs, and so on. That is great. We think of speaking in love, even in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, in your anger, do not sin. Let no unwholesome, evil, malicious talk come out. Get rid of bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. These are all characteristics of love or the lack of love. Ephesians 5, husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Proverbs, whoever would foster love will cover an offense. A friend loves at all times. A gentle answer turns away wrath. All exhibitions of a loving attitude. John 13, a new command I give you, Jesus told his disciples, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. 1 John chapter 3, this is the message you heard from the beginning, we should love one another. John 4, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. We love because he first loved us. Love is a necessary environment for a growing, healthy, intimate relationship. Speak the truth in love. Marvelous benefits get to come out of that. And of course, ultimately, as we have looked at proverbs and suggestions and comments that are practical which kind of let us know you know if you're truthful and if you're loving life just goes better but those of us who have been around we would say you know what i've seen or experienced a time i really was truthful and loving and and that was really hard so when we look at why we should be in a certain way, 
it really isn't that there's great consequences and this is the way to earn those consequences. Really, the argument goes much deeper and is based on we speak the truth in love because it reflects God's character and his commands. It reflects his character. God is love. Why do we love? Because God is love. God loves truth. He hates lies. He hates falsehoods. So then, why do we love truth? Why do we desire to communicate the truth? Because that honors and worships God when we do that. That perhaps gives us an understanding and an attraction to speak truth even when we pay a very painful price. And perhaps to be very careful and even more cautious before we speak anything if we desire to do it in love. I think all that I've said is true. I've thrown a lot of verses at you. And I think everything I said is true. Speak the truth in love. And, and that's what I looked at this last week, as I was thinking, okay, this is what I want to talk about. But then the thought came to me. I told you a lot of things about speaking truth and being, speaking in love, and I gave you a lot of other references about those. And they're good ones, and they're accurate ones. But is that... The point I told you, is that the point that Paul wanted you to hear when you read Ephesians 4.15? That's the question. It's the million dollar, the billion dollar question. It really is. Sometimes we get sloppy about that. We read verses and the question is, and what do you think it means? Or what do you feel? What do you hear from this verse? As though the answer relies on me, when the question really is, what do you think Paul means? What's his point when he says, speaking the truth in love, in chapter 4 and verse 15 of Ephesians? Because he probably doesn't mean all the things I just told you. And all the things I told you, I think are true, I think are accurate. So what's the problem? Let me look at a parable that Jesus said. Matthew 7, Therefore everyone who hears the words of minds and put them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, I don't know how many of you know the song about the wise man and the foolish man, all right? You know, the wise man built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand, the rains came down, the floods came up, and the house of the foolish man fell flat, and the house of the wise man stood strong, and then comes the chorus, so build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Christ is the rock. Christ is the foundation. Would you like your house to stand, then make your foundation on Christ? I think that's a marvelous message. 
And if you read that parable and you teach that, you have told something true. Christ is the rock. But you have not said what Jesus meant in this parable. You missed it. You told something true, and you are going to walk away thinking, yeah, Matthew 7, I got it. I need that reminder. Jesus is the rock. And maybe the teacher feels good because he told you a good thing, and you feel good because you got something to think about. And, and what you were told and what you have to think about is very good. Think of Jesus as the rock and foundation. But you're walking away from Matthew 7 thinking, I got the message, Jesus is the rock. And that's not the message. You miss the message. The danger is not that you now believe something that's bad. The danger is you think you read this passage and you got it, and you didn't. The rock is not the foundation of Jesus. The rock is the foundation of someone who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice. So now how are you doing? Well, Jesus is my rock. That's great. So how are you doing? Like Jesus says something and you put it in practice. Is that your attitude? Is that your normal response? Oh, Jesus is my rock, my foundation. Are you foolish or not? Well, I don't know. This Jesus who is your rock, that's great. This Jesus who is your foundation, the words of Jesus, you're not wise because you believe that. You could believe that and be a fool, according to Jesus. You missed the message because you didn't understand and interpret this right. So, I would like to come back to Ephesians 4.15. And I just want to quickly go through a process here. My process probably has some strengths to it, but then... What do I do then when I come across a passage, either because someone says, today we're doing this, or I just am reading, and I say, whoa, I really like the speaking the truth in love. What can I do? Well, first of all, let's look at Scripture. First of all, Ephesians 4.15, which, again, all of the chapter and verse references did not come from God. Okay? Just... A guy who's thinking, you know what, it would be sure helpful to have references. He made these divisions. But they're useful. But sometimes they're not accurate. But at any rate, the first thing I said, let's talk about Ephesians 4.15. And I just picked out a part of Ephesians 4.15. You should be suspicious of that. You should say, whoa, 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 what about the rest of it? Okay, all right, this is a better way to say it. This is telling you, now, there's more before this and there's more after and I say, okay, then I guess I better look what comes before. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the word in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is that head that is Christ. So, speaking the love, we're going to look backwards and forwards. Why do I need to speak the love? Why did he say that right here? Hey, speak truth in love. Well, it's what I'm supposed to do instead of something else. Oh, I know what he's saying. Don't lie. Well, he isn't. That's not his point. So if you get from this a reminder to not lie, 
That's a nice thing, but you missed his point. But speaking the truth in love, okay, so why should I do it looking ahead? So what's going to happen? What should I look for? If I go ahead and say, okay, I really want to speak the truth in love, is this all about me becoming a better person, me becoming more nicer, me becoming a... Ba no, it, it's not in this case. I'm sure there'll be personal benefits, but his point is, you know, when we speak the truth in love, we, Christians, believers, we will become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head Christ. Okay, you and I as believers need to speak the truth in love because that's an essential way in which God works to help us as a church, the whole church, universal church in the world, but also in like manner, capital community church, those of us who are believers. So I need to speak the truth in love because that's a part of us growing in fullness into a mature body of believers capital, community, Christians who associate here. And by speaking the truth in love, we are going to mature as a body, not just individually. The point is, as a body, into the head of this body who is Christ. So, now I have a reason I'm thinking, okay, if I'm going to speak the truth in love, then somehow it needs to contribute to the body of Christ. And in this case, the body of Christ at Capital Community Church and the extended body as well. But let's just use this example of that. So speaking the truth in love is not as its focus making you a more truthful person, a nicer person, a less sinful person. That, that's fine, but you missed the point. So... Speak the truth in love. Instead of what? Well, verse 15, I need to go then. Well, let me finish jumping ahead. Okay, looking ahead. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Verse 16, from whom Christ, the whole body, that's us, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So this is the picture. Whatever speaking the truth in love means, it is a key component of the larger body of Christ, the one body, church universal in the world, but also for us as we show it. We speak the truth in love so that this body of believers at this church, so we can grow as a supporting ligaments. If you look at the human body, it just takes all sorts of connectedness and, and it's supposed to grow as each part does its work. So once again, the context here is not your personal life, your personal sanctification, your personal growth. You are supposed to be looking at this. We're invited to look at this in the sense of the body. Instead, speaking the truth. Okay, so what is speaking the truth instead of? Well, then we need to look at verse 14. Then 
we will be no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speak the truth in love. So, here's your choice. Be infants, tossed around by waves and thoughts and schemes and lies and half-truths and wrong-truths and proud people. Be infants like that, where you just kind of go with the whim. Oh, looks like everybody's believing this. I'll go there. Oh, this made me feel good. I think I'll go there. That, that's the whims. Instead of being that person, but also instead of us being that kind of church that is subject to perhaps getting caught up with things which are not of God, if we don't want that, Instead of that, speak the truth in love. What, what, where do we want to go as Capital Community Church in our time here? We, we don't want to be captured by fads and whims and such. We don't want to be captured by, by doctrines and teachings which aren't true. So instead of that, we need to be speaking the truth in love with each other. And this just isn't what gets taught here. This is what the we do, all of you believers. This is the conversation that goes on that you have among all of us. This is the reference to speaking the truth in love. Well, verse 14 says, Then we won't be like babies thrown around. Then. Okay, well... What's before the then? What, what is given to us, which then we won't be like this, and then we will speak the truth in love. And so we need to go back to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So Christ himself gave the church apostles, and prophets, evangelists, and pastors, teachers, to equip his people. That's all of us. We are equipped for the works of service. The works of service aren't just done by pastor, teachers, evangelists. We all, as a body, do works of service. And again, because we're a body, we're not all the same. There's a diversity here. We don't all do the same, but we all are doing the works of service that the body is supposed to be doing. Christ himself gave the gift. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors. So here's Paul is writing, still in the first century, the beginning of the church. They have Old Testament scriptures. They do not have New Testament scripture. What is Paul referring to? Well, that which everybody knew. We have apostles, we have prophets. They give us foundational truth from God. That's where we hear it. There's the foundation. We have that. There's the truth. Listen to them. 
that foundational truth that the apostles and prophets gave then, we now have in Scripture. We call it the New Testament. That's the foundational truth that we were being given. So God gave us His Word, and for us today, one thing we know for sure, His Word is available in, his, in the Bible. His Word is available in what we call the New Testament. So we were given the foundation of the New Testament, and this includes the Old Testament as well, we were given that foundation so we could be equipped to be engaged in works of service so the body of Christ, the body, us, can be built up until we reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is talking to the body. This is not a personal statement. It has personal implications. Don't go home thinking, okay, I need to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. No, the body needs to attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Well, I need to grow in my... Absolutely, you get to grow in your personal sanctification. You get to grow in so many ways. But this way isn't what you do by yourself by mountain streams or in the quietness of some place where you really feel close to God. This kind of growth happens within a local body of believers who have been given truth. Oh, speak the truth in love. So what's the truth we're supposed to speak to each other? The foundational word that has been given us, God's word. That's what we speak to each other. This is not talking about not lying. The focus of this isn't just being a nicer person as you communicate. The focus of this, speaking the truth in love, is don't assess your personal comments at home necessarily. Don't assess your personal conversations on the street, including your assessment those of us who are regulars here, am I regularly speaking God's truth to brothers and sisters here in love? Well, I'm not the speaker. Well, this verse is not to the speaker. This verse is to all believers. Then, now that we have heard the foundational truth of God. Now that we know this truth and we're growing in that, now we can say, you know what? As we are growing and as we keep coming back to God's Word saying, okay, I heard this. I heard this new thought. Hey, let's go back to God's Word. When we do that, as we do that together, then we are not going to be infants. And doing that together, speaking the truth in love, would include me, who is up here, speaking sincerely with study and what I think this passage means, and you loving me and this church so much that, that if you think I missed it, then for my sake, you're going to come and you're going to talk to me. And you're going to say, you know what, Craig, it, it wasn't terrible, but you know, I, I just don't see this. Oh, that's speaking the truth in love. And occasionally speaking the truth in love might mean 
that next week I need to stand up here and say, you know what, I, I said something last week that was dead wrong, let's clear that up. Oh, that is marvelous. And that's the way then that we are not going to be just floating around with whims and new things that come in the world or even in the church kind of world. So instead of that, we are going to be speaking the truth in love and being joined together, ligaments, being joined together, relationships among us, those of us who do this kind of work and not this kind, but that's being done by there, and, and we coordinate. And ligaments are part of the coordination that allows for movement. I took one phrase, and I took a section, and I said, Let's look at what God wants to tell us in this section, just in the chapter 4 section. I think speaking the truth in love has to do with the whole body. I think speaking the truth in the love has to do with it's essential that within the body of Christ there are multiple conversations going on where the truth is known, the truth is sought after, and then the truth is discussed, and it's done in a loving way. That's just stepping back to look at a handful of verses. What if we did make a huge jump? Let's just step back looking at the book of Ephesians. And to oversimplify, the first three chapters talk about doctrine, truths, and the second chapter talk about, the second section, four through six, talks about duties. Now, having said that, I want you to know there are duties in the first section and there's doctrine in the next section oversimplification, but perhaps it just helps to give you a feel for this. In the first three chapters, there's description of being. Hey, this is who you are. And most of the description in the first three chapters is not, hey, this is who you are, Craig. It's, hey, this is who you are, Craig, in your local bodies of believers. This is who you are, Capital Community Church. This is who you are, Universal church on earth, this, this is who we are. I, I get to understand that. And the second section says, okay, since this is true, this is who you are. You are, my child, you are saved by grace, Craig. But far beyond that, when you became my child, Jesus says, you now are part of my body. I'm the head. You are now part, Craig. Think of yourself that way. Don't just think of you. You're not made that way. My being is not just my position in heaven. Amen. My position in heaven is a son of God. But my being in the first three chapters is as a brother in Christ, with you believers that meet here at Capitol Church and a brother in Christ with all believers. That's my being. So you understand, if I don't think that way, then I'm going to go to the second half where it talks about a lot of doing things. Be kind to one another. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, there's a lot of personal application for me as a husband on that one, just to take that one in. That is a marvelous example. That's good. But I would miss the point if I just said, okay, there's a convicting word for Craig, and Craig really gets to grow in this area. I would miss the point if I just take that, which is true. 
Paul wants to say something bigger. He wants to say, Capital Community Church, do you know how I show my sacrificial love to your brothers and sisters there? Do you know how I show that? Let me tell you, I show it. The best way I now show it is through your actions with each other. Husbands, you loving your wife gets to be a beautiful image of how I love the church. And that certainly includes homes. You want to tell your kid, Jesus loves you. Well, I was bad today. No, Jesus loves you no matter what you do. And the beautiful example we've been given in a family is that mom can say, hey, do you know how dad loves mommy? Do you see that? Do you see how no matter what happens that he sacrifices and he loves me and even the days that, you know, I didn't act right, he does? Do you know? Yeah, I see that. Well, that's what Jesus thinks of you. That's the home application. Let me tell you something about the church application. Someone comes and you tell them about the love of Jesus. And how should they see that? How should it become fleshed out? Because they hang around long enough if they do and they see husbands loving wives and children in a sacrificial way, which then starts to flesh out, so what does it mean to be loved by Jesus? And in the fullness of that thought, that means, fellow husbands, if you are not loving your wife, if you are talking in, in rudeness, if you are not sacrificially giving, then you are hurting this church, this fellowship. It's not personal. Yeah, I know, I'm screwing up my own family. No, if you claim to be a believer, then you acting that way is working against and harming what God wants to do in this local fellowship. You no longer have this sense of isolation. Hey, I know I shouldn't do it, but I'm paying the price, so it's like no big deal. Oh, no. Everything in Ephesians is a big deal for many reasons, but this reason is because it affects the body and it affects the work of the body. How about Ephesians 6, the armor of God? How many pictures have you seen about the armor of God that shows 500 Roman soldiers you don't. You see one soldier. Okay, I need to be this way. I need now. Here I'm ready. All alone to stand. <laughs> That's not what their view would have been 2,000 years ago. The readers, the army, the, or the, the, um, the weapons and the equipment of the soldier were not seen in context of perhaps somewhat our American or Western ideal standing alone, big, and says, come on, make my day. Not in the least. Why did you put that armor on? Well, because you knew you had a guy in the right and you guy on the left, and you had a guy behind you. And if, knew, if you didn't bring your sword, if you didn't bring your shield, if you weren't prepared, it wasn't just you who was going to get hurt. It was those who were going to get hurt. So what does it mean for us to be putting on this armor? It means, yes, there's things I do individually. 
But as I think of it, as I talk about it, as we talk about the shield of faith and the word of God, it is not just you alone. It is the body in regards to that. I like the way one person put this. Chapters 1 to 3 is the truth revealed. Chapters 4 to 6, practical instructions, which are the logical outcomes of the truth revealed in the first three chapters. So chapters 4, 5, and 6 are the logical outcomes. The idea being, if you understand chapters 1 to 3, then when you get to chapters 4, 5, and 6, and you read, be kind and gentle, be forgiving, you say, well, of course, that would be the outcome of a body of Christ growing, a healthy body of Christ. It is a natural outcome. As I told you, um, I walked you through a process. There's truth here. I, I think it's accurate. And, and take that truth in and of itself and apply it. But also stand back at the bigger picture and say, so where do you go for your truth? And as a church, and where do we go for our truth and how we practice that? In finishing up, one more thought. It, it's too beautiful to pass. Paul describes in three chapters, this is who you are individually. This is who you are as, as a believer, as a group of believers. This is so beautiful. And now in a minute, in the next chapter, he's going to say, stop living like the world lives. He's going to say, stand up and fight. He's going to say, say no to this. He's going to say, love your wife. He's going to say all of these things. So after he lays out the foundation of his argument, what does he do? He prays for us. This is Paul's prayer for you. This is God's prayer for you. And Paul says before he gets to the, okay, this is what we do, he says, Father, for this reason, I kneel before you. You, who from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, I pray that out of your, his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. All right, we need the power of God. May the power through his spirit strengthen me. And we probably immediately jump to Ephesians 6. Stand like a warrior. Yes. He's not there yet. And I pray this, that you being rooted and established in love may have power. What power? The power to stand? The power to say no? The power to die for Jesus? No. That you may have the power, together with all of the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. That you would have the power to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ. No, I skipped something. That you would have the power, together with all of God's people, would you like to grow in the experiencing and understanding of the love of God individually? Yes. 
but you don't do it by going out alone and sitting in the woods. That's fine and reading scripture. That's fine. That contributes. But the prayer is all together. All together. How is all of us wanting to grow deeper and deeper and experience the love of Christ? How's that going to work out practically speaking? If I want to grow in my understanding and experience of love of Christ, I know the best way for me to do that is to sin and have that thought that says, I don't deserve this. And then to experience, oh, no, no, no. Yes, you do, because that is my love. Do you want to grow in your experience of love of Christ? Then we get to do it together. Speak the truth in love. you got to be close enough. you got to be intimate enough. you got to be open enough. you got to be transparent enough. And you have to be talking about God's truth such that it would be somewhat natural for someone to say, you know, hey, this is what I was looking at. Let me share this with you. Or for someone to come up and say, hey, brother, um, you know, I don't know. I just got to say, just the last interactions I've had with you, 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 you just did not honor your wife. You kind of trash-talked her. Well, why? Because we want to explore the love. We want the love of Jesus to become more evident, which means you tell the truth to your brother, but you don't deny him, you don't reject him. He knows he is being loved by you while he gets to confront the truth. That's how we grow together in the love. He ends. His first section, before he gets to the doing, he ends with a prayer of exaltation. Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. You know, may there be glory in your life, your individual life, wherever you go. Absolutely. But this prayer says he wants to see it in the body represented on earth, which is local body believers. That's his prayer. May he see this in this place in such a way that people come and say, I think God is among you because I know you well enough and I see how you treat each other. So, I see the clock. Thank you. Whoa. Was that an example of speaking truth in love? <laughs> I didn't even plan it, although I was suspicious it might happen. And it was. It was. That was all. Speak the truth in love. Hey, it's good to be in accord with the truth, Craig. Maybe you strayed a little, brother. Let me help bring you back. And I love you. And amen. Let us pray. Oh, Father. May you draw our hearts. And Father, ultimately to you, but you have presented your body, the church. You presented brothers and sisters, and you have said, know each other. Know what you think. Share in the word. Share in the truth. And, and Father, you would desire that in the midst of probably difficult times, that your love may shine brighter than any other time. Our Father, for those of us that are regular here, may we embrace fully 
or may we grow, be growing into fullness at your word in the book of Ephesians. In your name, amen. And you do have another opportunity to act on this, application. Uh, next month, in April, we're going to spend three Sundays in Ephesians. Now, that's six chapters, three Sundays, that's like two a week. Uh, you know, Ephesians probably would take 18 weeks. So, the speakers coming up to do this, they're going to do a very limited job, so here's what you get to do, to participate. Remember, we participate together. This isn't just, yeah, I hope those guys are really good. Oh, no. This is, I hope we are really good. And what does being, quote, really good look like? What does, like, being wise looks like? I bet you it looks like you reading the book of Ephesians six or seven times before them. So that when you come on April 8th for the first one, you have momentum, you have knowledge, you can interact inside your head, you can interact in your heart. So, Ephesians 5, 6, 7 times. Read this through. Let's get our hearts ready as a body of Christ for that time.